You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. A client who has received a death benefit account-based pension must receive at least a minimum pension payment each financial year. And where the income is above the minimum required, this could be received as extra pension payments or a lump sum withdrawal. But is there any benefit in choosing one option over the other? And what else needs to be considered? My name is Craig Day and I'm the head of the First Tech team and here to discuss this issue with me is Tim Sanderson, one of my senior technical services managers. G'day Tim. Hi Craig, great to be here. Now Tim, before we get into the topic at hand, we should note that the strategy that this involves comes from First Tech's new Super Death Benefits Guide that's just been published this week and which you spent a lot of time over the last couple of months compiling. So can you give us a quick overall summary of what's included in this new guide? Yeah, well, there's a labour of love, Craig, I assure you. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, what the new Super Death Benefits Guide looks at is um, the key death benefit rules, including, you know, super payment rules, nomination options, taxation, transfer balance cap, social security. And then the Mm -hmm. the second part is a range of strategies um, really broken down into four uh, categories. So we've got pre-retirement accumulating clients, death benefit strategies at retirement, strategies towards the end of life and in preparation for death, and then strategies post-death. Right. So it's it's not just giving us all the, you know, regurgitating all the rules in the CIS regs and, and the Tax Act about how, you know, death benefits get taxed, etc. It actually goes through and looks at the different strategies available to clients at different points in yeah. life and through the financial planning process. Yeah, the majority of the guide really tries to focus on those key sort of strategies at various stages. Right. So it'd be a great thing for an advisor to have a look at, not only just for their own knowledge, but, to, you know, if they've got a client in a particular circumstance and they want to understand what potential options are available to them, go and have a look at that guide. So where can people get a copy? Yeah, so um, if you head to the First Tech site, um, there'll be a tile called First Tech Guides uh, prominently there. Mm-hmm. So if you click on that and then down under the superannuation heading, um, the guide will be there. Wow. Okay. Now, coming back to the question about the best way to take death benefit pension payments when a beneficiary needs more than the minimum, I assume this is one of these strategies. Yep, so it's one of those post-death strategies. Right, okay. All right, well, let's get into it. So can you run me through the general payment rules for death benefit account-based pension? I've already said that, you know, we need to take the minimum, but do you want to run through how those rules work? Yeah, so it's generally the same as for if a client had their own non-death benefit account-based pension. So they have to draw a minimum, excuse me, pension payment each financial year, that payment's based on a percentage of their balance at 1 July, assuming a full year. And that percentage is based on their age. So, for example, it's 4% if you're under 65. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it's, it's, as you'd be aware, temporarily halved for this financial year. And that percentage rises as you, as you get older. Um, you can also draw lump sums really at any time. Um, and they occur by partially commuting that pension. And where a client does that, there'll either be a a pro rata payment requirement or the remaining balance after your commutation needs to be at least to pay 
at least enough to pay any remaining uh, pension payment. And so, yeah. so there, the pro rata applies when you you fully commute. Isn't yeah, it? it can. It's it's one or the other in the case of a partial commutation. But as long as you're making a partial commutation and uh, enough is left in your balance to pay any remaining minimum, that rule is met. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and probably the only difference with a death benefit pension um, because it is death benefit money that the super rules say has to remain cashed then any lump sums can't be moved back to accumulation phase Um, they can only be really withdrawn as lump sums yeah so that's something people used to do way back before 1 july 2017 wasn't it that they'd have to receive the the pension for what was it the death benefit yeah the prescribed period i think they call it prescribed period that was it uh, and then once you're outside that prescribed period, which is generally, what, six months from the date of death yep. or six months of grant of probate or longer if there was, you know, something yep. being fought in the courts over the payment of a death benefit. Um, but these days, that's no longer since the 1st of July 2017, no, long, no longer a prescribed that's period. That's right. I mean, you, you still can roll over a lump sum to another fund, but only if that's immediately going to be used to cash a new death benefit income stream. So it's really, yeah. yeah, no rolling over to be in accumulation phase. Yeah, so you can't push it back into accumulation. It's either continue to draw it as a death benefit income stream or pay it out as a death benefit lump sum. Absolutely. And that's it. That, there you run the options. Yep. Okay, so from a tax perspective, is there a benefit from making additional pension uh, withdrawals as pension payments or lump sum? Yeah, well, uh, short answer, there can be. Um, so I assume we're talking here about a taxed fund and not an untaxed fund, so the majority of mm-hmm. funds. Yep. And the tax on income stream payments or pension payments depends on whether either the deceased died while over 60 or if the client receiving this death benefit pension is over 60. If either of those is yes, then all of those income stream or pension payments will be tax-free. But if both of the the deceased died under 60 and the client is still under 60, then the the tax-free component will still be tax-free. But any taxable component, that's going to be included in the client's assessable income, taxed at their marginal tax rate, but they will get a 15% tax tax offset apply. Um, In contrast, lump sum withdrawals are completely tax-free regardless of the client's age, provided that they are a tax dependent of the deceased. And it's important to note that in, in the vast majority of cases, anyone receiving a death benefit income stream in the first place will almost always be a tax dependent mm-hmm. of the deceased. So, yeah. so that really means where the deceased or client are over age 60, really no income tax difference, but where both under 60, um, then it may be more effective to take anything above the minimum as lump sum withdrawals instead of additional pension payments. Okay, so when you think about it, what we're just about to really talk about is for, for our retired clients that are both over 60, it's not going to make any difference. But if we do have a client that has unfortunately died earlier in life and they have a spouse, so maybe died in the mid-40s, 50s due to illness or, or accident, this is where this kind of strategy, taking it as one or the other, really comes into play. Yeah, potentially save quite a bit of tax over, depending on the age, quite a long period of time. Yeah, okay. So if we look at an example here, so let's take, I hate using names because there's going to be some, there's <laughs> going to be a James out there somewhere that's all of a sudden thinking that uh, I'm talking about them as the, they're just about to die. Um, so James has died at age 50 on 1 July 2022, and his $500,000 death benefit is paid to his spouse, in this case, Laura, who is also age 50, 
as a new death benefit account-based pension. Now, if Laura needs $50,000 per annum and has a marginal tax rate, let's just assume of 34.5%, including Medicare levy. So what sort of tax savings are we going to get here if we take it as a lump sum withdrawal instead of pension payments? Sure. So ignoring the temporarily halved minimums that still apply this financial year, we'll just assume a 4% that Laura has to draw. She has to take 20000 as a pension payment. So if we assume mm-hmm. that whole pension is all taxable component, then that 20000 is going to be taxed at $3,900. And that's her 34.5% marginal tax rate, but after allowing for that 15% offset. Mm -hmm. So that's got to apply either way. But if she draws the extra 30000 she needs also as a pension payment, then that's an... So she wants 50, she has to take 20. So we're now looking at the extra 30 over and above. So she's obviously taking this because, you know... Her own income, if she's still working, is, is, isn't is enough to pay school fees and whatever else, rent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, this extra 30 grand. Yeah, so if that's drawn as a pension payment, then that's an extra $5,850 in tax after the offset is applied. But mm-hmm. as we mentioned, Laura could instead choose to take that extra 30000 as a lump sum death benefit, completely tax-free, um, and saves her $5,850 just in that year. And so similar sorts of savings would could also then be expected to apply in future years, right up until she reaches age 60, when her, all of her pension payments would become tax-free anyway. Right. So clearly, you know, if she's 10 years away from retirement. Yeah, it's not just a one-year calculation in, in yeah. a lot of cases. Okay. Now, also, there can be transfer balance cap benefits from doing this as well, isn't it? Because when I think about that, if we're just drawing income payments down, they're not a debit for transfer balance cap purposes. But if we start taking partial commutations, they are. That's right. Is that right? So it could, um, I mean, as as you'd be aware, the personal transfer balance cap limits the amount a person can transfer to retirement phase. Um, It's not just the client's own um, retirement phase income streams that count. It's going to be a death benefit income stream that they commence to receive. And as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Craig, pension payments um, do not reduce a client's transfer balance account, so they're not a debit, but lump sum commutations are. And so what that can mean is that um, if a client is receiving a death benefit account-based pension and they take anything above the minimum as lump sum commutations, then that can free up more of that client's transfer balance cap over time. um, And... Over time, that can maximise the amount that they can move to retirement phase in the future, for example, from their own retirement, um, their own retirement savings. So when they get to retirement. Exactly. So it might mean by implementing that strategy, a greater portion of their super can go into retirement phase when they hit retirement. Okay. So using the example from above with James and Laura I think it was so five hundred thousand dollars is going to be credited to Laura's transfer balance account on the first of July 2022 um, and let's assume Laura also had eight hundred thousand dollars of her own superannuation so 500 death benefit pension for eight hundred thousand dollars of her own superannuation what would be the impact there of drawing lump sums instead of taking pension payments? Sure. So let's make a couple of assumptions just to keep it simple. So firstly, Laura draws 30000 of extra payments above the minimum from her death benefit account-based pension. 
each year for 15 years and then she retires at age 65. And let's assume by that time her 800,000 super balance has increased to 1.6 million through contributions and earnings. And let's assume her personal transfer balance cap is 1.8 million at that time. So if she draws anything above the minimum from the death benefit account-based pension, so the extra 30,000 as pension payments, her transfer balance account balance at age 65 is still going to be $500,000. So she can only use 1.3 million of her own super to commence her own account-based pension. And the remaining 300,000 of her super would have to stay in accumulation phase. It couldn't go into retirement phase. If she draws lump sums though, there would have been um, 15 years worth of $30,000 debits and her transfer balance account balance would only be $50,000. Um, that would mm-hmm. allow her to move all of her super to an account-based pension when she hits age 65 with no breach to her transfer balance cap. All right. Okay. So not only important from a uh, from a death benefits tax perspective, but also important for you know the amount you can get into the tax-free retirement phase for, in this case, Laura in future years. Yeah, p- potentially providing a double benefit, so income tax savings at the same time as ensuring that you can get more into retirement phase in the future. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so from a practical perspective, though, so if I'm in a large fund, um, I just need to tell the fund that I want to draw the minimum, and then I'm going to have to, at various points throughout that year, go and take additional lump sum withdrawals. That's right. And it may only be once a year that that's needed. It may be a few times a year that, um, but yeah, act, act, a client will have to actively ask those lump sums. Um, right. Yeah. And and I think in some sense, self-managed chief funds probably a little bit more flexible here as per usual, um, that they can do all sorts of weird and wacky things. So here, I think I've seen situations where members can give an instruction to say, draw my minimum. And then if there's anything over and above that minimum, um, they need to be taken as lump sums. Yeah, so subject to the fund's rules, that that sort of instruction could work, I think, yep, yeah, more yeah. flexible. Okay, so it's just, think, just thinking about that practically in terms of how that's going to work. So although there's sometimes some of these these theories or these strategies seem, seem great in theory, they're a bit hard to implement, but I don't think this one's particularly hard to implement at all. If you've got an SMSF, put in place some paperwork. Um, if you've got a large fund, um, just go back a couple of times a year or however often ask for those additional lump sum withdrawals. Okay, so is there anything else a client needs to think about when we're looking at whether we take these additional payments as pension payments or lump sums? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's worth mentioning that this treatment that we're discussing applies regardless of when a member died and the death benefit pension commenced. So it can either be post-2017 or, or pre-2017. So, for example, we had... We've seen one situation where a member passed away in 2014 and the 50-year-old spouse was drawing an amount over the minimum as pension payments and paying quite a bit of tax. So in this case, after checking with the the fund, the client was able to elect to start drawing those amounts above the minimum as lump sums. As a result, saved a lot of tax going forward. So um, it it would just be important just to check with the fund as they may not have recorded that, that pension as a death benefit pension. Um, so yeah. that is going to be important for that death benefit tax purposes. Yeah, a really important thing you say there because I remember, you know, not long after 1 July 2017 when all these rules were still trying to, you know, industry was trying to figure out how it all worked, um, we, we looked at this very issue and, and thought, well, 
if I can never roll money back from the pension phase into the accumulation phase, that kind of means that the, the death benefit cashing rules always apply to it. So we turned around and asked the ATO to say, well, okay, in, in this situation where a pension, you know, was commenced due to death back in 2014, um, does that mean that any lump sum coming out of that pension forever will always be a death benefit lump sum and therefore tax-free going to the spouse? And the ATA came back and said yes. So um, so that's a really important issue to, to take into account here, that um, it's not this strategy is not just necessarily for people that, um, you know, where unfortunately a client is passing away um, and we look at how to structure the death benefit income stream we're now going to start we could have a client walk through our door tomorrow that's been running a, a death benefit pension now for 10 years that doesn't know this strategy and all of a sudden what you can do is restructure the payment, save a significant amount of tax going forward and make it much better for the client going forward. So, okay, you know, I think such a, a simple little strategy that really could help a client save a lot of tax and therefore help ease the financial burden in what must be a very difficult time in a person's life, especially when a spouse passes away mid-40s, mid-50s, oh, just really, really hard. Now, if you are interested in this strategy, as well as a range of others that kind of Tim talked about before, then get a hold of the First Tech New Super Death Benefits Guide, um, available, as Tim said, via the First Tech website, uh, and uh, have a read. Other than that, I think that pretty much sums it all. Thanks, Tim. No worries. Thanks, Craig. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventius Investments Limited accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.